Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So who comes to your mind when I start using this idea of villains? Who comes to mind? Is it somebody maybe in movies or perhaps in your story? Maybe it's somebody from your past. When you think of villains, you know, maybe it's someone who has really damaged you at this young age, which you're still holding on to, and you've just made this person in your life the villain of your story. But if we're honest about something, and I'm a movie buff, I love movies, I'm that guy, uh, every great story that we have has villains. Now I'm going to go, I'm Gen X, so let's go some Gen X uh, folklore here. Who is the roadrunner without Wile E. Coyote? I mean, Acme bombing systems would be going out of business if it wasn't for Wile E. Coyote constantly trying to catch the roadrunner over and over again. And I'm a big DC fan, and so who is Batman without the Joker? He's just a really weird guy who lives in a bat cave. Like, what's the purpose of that whole story? But let's go back a little bit further. Let's go back to the Technicolor of the Wizard of Oz. Where's Dorothy with her red slippers if it wasn't for the Wicked Witch of the West, right? I'll get you, my pretty. And if you're a kid, you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's awesome. But you have these characters and these villains that are in this contrast to the hero. We have this contrast that is always happening. Now, you've heard this before. If you've been here around for a while, if you're, if you're newer, uh, myself and Pastor Nick, are mega, over-the-top, ridiculous Star Wars fans. Yeah, yeah, maybe you didn't know that, or just by the way we look like nerds. But, so, Star Wars, I love Star Wars. And one of the things that captivated me so much when I was younger was this idea that it's very clear in this who the good guys are and who are the bad guys. So you want to know something about a kid from the 80s? See which guy they pick up when they play Star Wars with you. Some people pick up the Darth Vaders, that would be Nick, and I pick up the Luke Skywalkers, I'm the good guy, good guy and villain, right? But this is, this is kind of part of our story, is that we're always in this contrast of villains and heroes. And this isn't a new thing. Let's think back to old-timey black and white. Some of you in here I know lived through that era of television. And I want you to think about where a lot of our current stories come from. There's a theme that we see from Westerns of those days. And this is a theme, if you didn't know this and didn't watch old-timey westerns, the good guys always wore white hats. The bad guys always wore black hats. So they're on their horses. You know which guy's which because they are donning it on top of their head. So again, there's this clear delineation between who's the guy I'm supposed to be rooting for and who's the guy I'm supposed to be rooting against. The truth is, in real life and in your life, things are never that clear. In your life, the villains of your story are complex. Real villains in real life aren't as clear as a large man in a black helmet that breathes through a respirator with a red lightsaber. They came in the form of a friend. They came in the form of someone who said they loved you. They came in the form of a co-worker, and they come in the form actually of you. Have you ever thought about that idea, that you're the villain of somebody else's story? Because when you think about your story, we are always the good guys. 
we're always the good guys. If you're in school, you take a test, and you bomb the test. Parents are, you laugh away at this one. My teacher hates me. My teacher is terrible. Nobody could pass that test. It was impossible. She is the bad guy. I'm the good guy. No, I didn't study, Dad. No, not at all. I studied 0%, but she's the bad guy. And when it's at work and we have tension, and those tensions inside of our work, and you get chewed out for missing something, that person is bad, and I'm good. And so when we tell our stories, don't you always make yourself the hero a little bit more than you really should? And what we don't really think about is that in your story, there's actually someone in your lifetime, and I don't assume all the time, so let's just but let's put it in there. You have been the villain. You have hurt people. You have messed up. You have broken. Someone has not liked you, and someone's sitting in here right now thinking, oh, I know who the villain of the story is. It's that guy on the stage talking behind the podium. It's Jason, <laughs> right? We, we do this, and we do this for a lot of reasons, but humans are honestly complex. When this complexity, when it brings into who we are as humans, creates an odd tension because now we look at this and we look at our lives, so are we the good guys or are you the bad guys? And complexity comes that you're actually kind of both. Like, are you, as a human, really inherently good? Do you, as, as a human, are you always bad? Are you the villain? Do you wear the black hat or the white hat? Like, who are you in your life? Honestly, when we take a second, be honest. So I want to make a movie about your life right now. Just pause for a second. The movie of your life. Who would you cast yourself as? I would, a uh, younger, of course, Brad Pitt for me. Um, I, would, I would say, well, I'm the good guy. I'm the good guy. I'm always, I've gone through a lot. I've had hardships. I mean, I've gone through a lot of hard things in my life. I'm the good guy who's always getting beat down by the bad guy all the time. But the truth is, and there could be some merit to that, but the truth is, is that you actually in your life know that you've switched roles and have been the bad guy and that you've caused the same amount of pain. So where does this all come from? If there's truly villains and there are truly heroes, how do humans with our complexity of flipping back and forth fit into this story? We're beginning this series today called Villains, where we're going to be exploring something actually really awesome. We're going to explore the fact that God saves villains. God saves the villains. It's an unbelievable story as we look at different people throughout history and different people within the scriptures where actually there were villains, but sometimes those villains were good guys that turned to bad guys and all this mix. So within this series, you're going to hear a story that you're going to be able to relate to somehow, some way. But let's start our story with beginning in Genesis 3, uh, 1 through 7. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, feel free to open up and read. It'll also be on the screen behind me. In Genesis 3, this is the beginning of sin. So if, if you've been around the church for a while, this might be a familiar passage to you. If you're new to church, uh, let me give you a little bit of a background on what's been happening. The story begins out in Genesis of how God created um, there's lots of different ideas of how God created. That's not the purpose. The purpose of this is God created, okay? So God creates, and he makes all of these things. He says, these are all amazing. He says, they're good. I love what I've created. And then he creates humans. Now, humans were made a little bit different. Humans were made in the image of God. We're image bearers. So we have something different than everything else when we see that God breathes into Adam. 
And now God has a different relationship that we see in Genesis with the rest of creation. God actually walks and talks and hangs out with humans. And he says to humans, he says, okay, Adam, Eve, you have dominion over everything I created. It's your job to take care of it. So if you think you go to heaven and sit in a cloud, that's not what scripture had. You were made to work. If you don't like work, I'm sorry. But it was good work. It was the best work possible. We got to take care of the Garden of Eden and be a part of this. And God was hanging out with Adam and Eve. And then the problem comes. The tension comes is that the good guys are now going to be confronted with becoming the villains. And that's where we pick up Genesis chapter 3, 1 to 7. It says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, and if you did not know the backstory, this is Satan. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Obviously, they didn't live in Wisconsin because we'd have to cover ourselves. It's so cold all the time. So here's our story. God creates all of this, and he puts this tree in the garden. He says, this is, this is the thing. Everything in the world is yours. Just don't touch that one thing. Do not touch. Do not eat of it. That's not yours. Everything else, everything you want, Adam and Eve, go anywhere that you want. You can have anything. You may not eat of this tree or you're going to die. Satan comes to them and says, look, did he really say, did he really say that? And she's like, yeah, he said we can't eat of it, but you're not going to die. He's just upset because you're going to know stuff like he knows stuff. Don't you want to be like your dad? Think about this twisting and this corruption that's starting to happen within this story. So Eve takes the fruit, and she eats the fruit and hands it to her husband like, hey, this is really good. This is great fruit. See, God was wrong. God didn't know. God was wrong. This fruit's fine. Look at it. I didn't die. You know, and now, and I don't know, in my relationships, you'd be like, here, you take a bite first, because if you die, then I won't, right? But no. <laughs> she eats the fruit. She hands it over, takes a bite. They're like, good, and all of a sudden, boom. Interesting part of this story is now Satan has disappeared from the story. So we have the good guys, God's created in our image. We are image bearers or reflectors back of God's glory, made, set apart inside of God's amazing kingdom. And here we are, the good guys, but we look at the king, we look at God, the one who's created and who loves him, and starts to ask these questions. Hmm, is this really legit? Did he really say that we, I mean, he gave us everything. Why wouldn't he just give us everything? This makes no sense. So the words were twisted and things were manipulated to deceive and fool Adam and Eve. And then you get them biting this fruit. And it starts to beg this question. Ultimately, the question is this. When they're sitting there, and we don't see this in scripture, so we're just going to use our modern day psychology involved right now, okay? Modern day thought, Western thought. If you say 
that the, I can eat of the tree, you have to therefore think God is not ultimately in your favor because he's holding something back from you. That's what Satan tempted him with. He's holding something back from you, and it's probably really good, and he is just leaving you behind. So therefore, God is not good. Now, you take God is not good, you now move it to this. You know, I think God's probably tricking you. So if he's tricking you, you probably shouldn't listen to him, but you should listen to me instead. So all of a sudden, this manipulation and complexity of humanity is starting to get whirled around in this weird mix of what is going on inside of humans. And if you don't listen to him, maybe you can relate to this narrative. Inside of your story, have you ever questioned if God is ultimately good? Have you ever thought he doesn't hear you or he doesn't have your best interest in mind? Have you ever wondered if he really cares about you? Because at the same time, Eve is now struggling with these same feelings that we can see is the tension that would draw her. If she had listened to God, if she said, I don't want any part of that, God's given us all of this, because inside of here now you see greed, you start to see pride, and now all of our stories like, oh yeah, that's my story too. We give Adam and Eve a bad rap, uh, and rightfully so. They brought sin into the world. Here's the bad rap. If it was you, you would have eaten from the tree probably too. Because at that state, as they take the bite, they're sitting here being manipulated and thought and processed. Adam and Eve got to walk with God. Here we are in the year 2020, and we still sin, and we still listen to the lies of the devil, and we still listen to the sin nature inside of us, and we keep perpetuating and creating more villains by having more babies, and more babies are creating more sin. Therefore, sin is growing. We're part of the problem. That's what we don't want to hear on a Sunday morning when we come to Mosaic. You want to hear, yay, we win. We'll get to that part. But today, right now, you're the villain. Because now, as the villain, it creates a huge problem. Because humans now are cast out from God's presence. God no longer walks with them. They're no longer in this beautiful garden that they could say, you can have all of this. Now you get nothing. And we're in the place we are today, wearing really bad clothes, from Goodwill or somewhere else. Like, that's where we are because, you know, they were naked and ashamed. So, which is a great show if you've ever seen it. Side note. But, so here we are in this problem. We have created it. And as she eats it, so much tension is happening. And then we start to do something that is more manipulation, which is this. We want to rank how bad of a villain we really are. So now we say, well, look, I'm, I don't wear a black hat. Perhaps my gray is like an off-white. It's dirty white. I'm a good guy most of the times, but I'm still once in a while I do some bad things. Most of the time, I'm really nailing it. I'm a great dad. I'm a great worker. I'm a great daughter. Sometimes I tend to push the envelope a little bit, and I go a little far too outside the box, and I just say I'm sorry, and I'm right back to where I was. So we want to make ourselves feel better. Because when we feel better, we put ourselves back into the role of the hero. We put ourselves back out of being a villain. At least I'm not Adolf Hitler. I haven't killed anybody. I'm not that bad of a person. I've only robbed one store. My friend robbed three. We somehow want to push ourselves on this ladder of what's good and bad. And friends, this is not the economy of God and his kingdom. His kingdom looks completely different. But this complexity of us as human characters 
is what makes us so much an odd tension. It's almost easier if we could just be seen as good guys or bad guys, whether I'm the good guys in Star Wars or the bad guys, whether I'm in the Western. It would be so much easier, but we're not at that point. That's not humanity. We now are in this weird mix. Check out this quote from Brian Godwa. It says this, No villain sees themselves as a villain. They see themselves as a hero. And so, therefore, all bad people justify the evil they're doing as good within their own little worldview. There's a rationality even with evil that justifies them as being good. And that's what a good villain is going to be. And that is you. We justify it. We justify it. How often have you justified your sin as, well, you don't understand. I go home and my husband doesn't talk to me anymore. So therefore, I, I, it's just a friend. She's just a friend at work. You know, I just talk. It's not a big deal. Um, you know, we talk here. And she has this friend. And so I start talking to him. But we're just friends. We just talk. And all of a sudden, we text every night. And all of a sudden, we start to justify. Because my husband doesn't talk to me. I met this other guy. But we're just really good friends. And he's filling my emotional needs. And then we're in pastor's office asking, how do we get here? Is this relating to you? Can you understand that justifying our sin is the downfall and the key to every villain's story? Because that makes the villain the villain. We're going to find a reason why we can get ourselves off the hook. But that is not the truth. Secondly is this, and this, this is for those who are in the church world. If you're inside the church world for a while, we love to point the finger at, finger at the devil. Uh, first of all, the devil is not omnipresent, not ever all the time. So like, if you're having problems, that's not how this whole thing works. And I do believe that there's temptation. I'm not saying that. We are in a spiritual war for spiritual things, and there are armies and battles that are happening for souls all the time. This is a real thing happening. So I'm not downplaying that, but I want you to hear me. The problem isn't always the devil. The problem is you. And when we admit that, we actually start to see the gospel matters. Because now, if I am the villain, I need Jesus Christ more every single day that I wake up. Every day I step closer to Jesus, the more I realize how powerful the cross is. Therefore, I need more of Jesus every day. Yes, there's temptations in life, but you are a sinful human, that complex character, and you, in that complexity, this should draw you closer to the need of Jesus Christ every day of our life. So the title of this message should be we are all a hot flaming mess, the end, right? <laughs> Listen to this passage of Romans 3, 10 to 18. As it is written, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Yee, that's humanity. That summarizes that we are not inherently good. We used to be. In the beginning, God said it was good, then sin entered, and like a cancer that corrupts our entire being, now sin is corroding and destroying us from the inside out, and it doesn't take long. Turn on the news. You know what I'm saying. It's not going well when we turn away from the Lord. And so now you've got this situation, our story of humanity, that God is this huge mess of us, and in his story, we are the villains. 
In God's story, you sit as the villain in the story of God. I, I know if that's new to you or a new concept, it can be hard to hear because what we want to do is, again, go to justify. And here's a justification that we've built within our church environments. If you just do good things, it's going to make things better. If you go to church a lot, that makes things better. If you give to charities and help people and do all the things, that makes things better. What that does is that's a behavioral modification, not a submission to the king of the universe. We've taught in the church to change your behaviors. If you change your behaviors, then maybe you're going to start to know what godliness is like. But that is not the gospel. The gospel is understanding our brokenness to say, you need Jesus Christ to save you and now make him your Lord of your life and your behaviors will change because you're his disciple, not because you're trying to earn his favor. So I want to flip the script a little bit if you've been in that world. Behavior modification, was that cheapens the cross. The cross was too powerful. It made you from dead to alive. It went from a villain into God's good side, good guy side. You went from the wrong side to the right side. That's the power of the cross. You have nothing to do with it except, except that you need Jesus. That's it. That gospel is so powerful. It's been changing people's lives for over 2,000 years. But unfortunately, unfortunately, in our time, we've moved to two things, knowledge and behavior modification. If I can know a lot of Bible verses and do these things that Christian culture tell me to do or tell me not to do, I'm cool with God. And it says in scriptures that people will come and say, Lord, haven't I done all these things in your name? Haven't I done all this? And he's going to say, I never knew you because it's the gospel that saves you, not what you're doing. You are the villain. Villains can't save themselves. You're on the wrong side. The gospel saves lives. So I want to apologize for those of us who've done that and say, I think that we've said the wrong thing for too many years. It's time to go back to the power of just the cross and the cross alone. Jesus is the only hero. He gets all the victories. He gets all the claim. He gets all the glory. That makes our story even more amazing because God saves villains. God saves villains. You're not going to save a villain. I'm not going to save a villain. God saves the villains. Now it doesn't make sense. Now you're like, God, why would you love me? And if that doesn't break you down to humility, to think about, God, why would you do this to me? Why would you love me? And then when you sing songs or you're in the word and you give up those vices, you give up that sin in your life, it's not because you're doing it to try to earn his favor. It's because I want to be more like the one who saved me. That's a totally different look, my friends, perhaps, than what some of your stories have been. But let's go back to villains. Because I want to convince you. I don't think you're convinced yet. You're like, I'm hearing you, Jason. Adolf Hitler is worse than me. That's the ultimate, within our generational time, the ultimate, ultimate bad guy. But humans are complex. So yes, we have Adolf Hitler, who is this extreme evil character in human history, did unbelievable, terrible things. I'm not making light of that. Of course not. You know me, my heart. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying people are complex. Because at the same time, actions of us as evil and villains in life is the ability to do good things because we are created in God's image. 
So at the same time, the fingerprint of God is in us, and we have the ability to love. Even villains can love. Even villains can be charitable. Even villains can ask for forgiveness and give forgiveness. Even villains have the ability to do something that doesn't make sense inside their character because they're still image bearers. So let's get rid of this ladder of where we sit and just put ourselves into we need a lot of saving happening. Back to movies. I love movies again. And, you know, there's really two type of characters that happen within our villains. They're the villains who start in the beginning of the movie. You know, this guy's a bad guy, right? Like, this is the bad guy. Immediately starts out, you know, ships are getting blown up or something cool like that. And, you know, there's a bad guy. And then hour and a half later, everything gets fixed. And the, you know, the, the cute guy and the cute girl get married, right? So... <laughs> So that we know our villains. But then there's this other side of the stories. And again, Star Wars, the greatest example of everything ever. Star Wars, the complexity of Darth Vader really got shaken when they started creating these movies before the movies that most of us know that came out in the 80s. We started to learn a story of Anakin Skywalker as a little boy. So you see this little innocent boy who's in a really bad movie. That, sorry, George Lucas, I don't like that first one. And you see him as a young boy, and he's out there, and he's racing pod racers, and he's got his little friends, and he's helping beat everybody. And you're like, oh, he's so cute and adorable. Then you see him in the next movie, and he's kind of a punk teen a little bit, but he's still a good guy. And then you go to the third movie, and the good guy turns to the bad guy. And now this bad guy now continues through all these stories. But if you've seen any of these... Um, I hope you have. We'll talk about that later. You see these movies. In Return of the Jedi, Darth Vader goes back to being a good guy. So is he a good guy or is he a villain? The truth is, he's a complex villain. And aren't we a lot more like Anakin Skywalker in our lives where we seem to flip-flop back and forth in and out of this story? In and out of, I do good things and I'm over here in my knucklehead and I, I, man, I, boy, I'm really thriving that I'm over here. It is complex. But this is the story that I want you to hear today. God saves villains, so therefore he saves you. God and only God could save you. You were the only option that you had was God saving you. And we just celebrated last Easter, we, or last week in Easter, we celebrated the fact that Jesus was alive, that he did all the work, that salvation has come. It is simply because that is how amazing God is. Listen to this verse in Romans 5, 6 to 11. It's just a beautiful picture of our story. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you want to memorize a verse, memorize that to remember and understand how powerful God is in your story. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is a powerful, powerful verse in the gospel. Verse 9, since we have now been justified by his blood or everything's been made right, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? For if while we were God's enemies, villains, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having being reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation, or again, everything made right. Now, because God saved sinners, we flip the script and say, 
We don't even have God's wrath on us anymore. Now we just worship and give thanks to God. Now our lives are dedicated to the power of the kingdom. Now I want to be like my master because I understand the concept and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no greater force in all of the universe of love than that gospel story of how God loved us so much he gave his son to die for us. It is the most life-changing, transformative thing in the world of all time. It's not behavior modification. Find Jesus first, then make him Lord, and when he's your Lord, your knees will be on the ground blessing and worshiping him. That, my friends, is the power of the gospel. But I understand something in our story. It's complex. And you have, may have been on a spiritual journey for a while. I, I don't want to assume anything in this, in this room today, or for those who are watching or listening online. Your life is complex. You've been through a lot. You have different stories of God in your life. I just want to make this very clear today. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Salvation comes by calling on the name of the Lord. What that means is this, that you understand your place in eternity, that you are not the good guy, that you needed a hero, that hero only is Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There is no other religion. There's not 85 roads to heaven. We made that up. It's Jesus Christ, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. Therefore, this, to have Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's simply recognizing you're the villain, calling on him to save you, done. Now, our life has a different purpose and a different story. So I want to offer to you to that today. Um, Traditionally, in church world, we say a prayer or something. There's no magical prayer. It's a condition of your heart in which you confess that you need a Savior. It's a condition of where you are with God as you come to that place. It's not a magical, like, all of a sudden, like, rainbows are going to come over you, nothing like that. I want you to understand this. The power of the gospel is your heart switches from dark to light. You take a step over the line from villain to the good guy side. But you're not the hero Jesus is the hero. You just get to be on this side of the walk. You take a step over the line. That is calling Jesus Christ your Savior. So I don't care if you've been in church your whole life. I don't care if it's your first time coming. I don't, none of that matters to me. Because in my world, I'm done playing church. I'm done goofing around. I want to be 100% real. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. That's all I got, guys. That's all I got. That's why we started Mosaic, is that lost people would be found and broken would be healed. Lord, that is what the Lord called us to do. And so I want to offer that to you today. And then after this, I'm going to just say a simple prayer. Pray with me if you like. It's embarrassing, and I, I, I've, I've been in those situations. Here's the thing. We've got QR codes on the front of your thing. If you QR code the prayer request, give us your name. You give us your, uh, just say, I accepted Christ today. Take that QR code. It's discreet. It's going to our prayer, uh, head of prayer ministry. We'll contact you. You can even say, I accepted Christ. Please don't contact me. I'm cool. That's... <laughs> I just want to walk with you and celebrate with you and ask, I want to answer any questions. I want to walk with you. But it's a way for you to use that QR code if you so choose. But for those who want Christ now, let me just offer this to you. Let's pray together, anybody who wants him. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.